0: Well, good morning everybody good to see it it's good to be together on this first Sunday of 2020 and I'm thankful we can be together and I, I, I know that uh, I, in this kind of a time we think about new and today we are starting something new together and I pray that you will come from week to week in this journey we're going to take and you'll invite friends because they belong too. and I want to uh, you to do that. Now we're going to do something different today. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now and take up our offering. Uh, We're going to take up our offering and and worship in that way. We're so thankful for how God has blessed us. And I want to share with you as they come and as they uh, pass the offering this morning, uh, I just am so thankful. We try not to talk a lot about money around here but I have to say something today because in 2019 our budget was over 1.5 million dollars for all the ministries that take place here at this church and uh, I have to say you know that's such a huge number I mean just just overwhelming you think about it thanks to your generosity not only did we meet our budget but we received over $33,000 more than that. And so I'm thankful today for what God has done for us collectively and thank you for your generosity. I think somebody ought to praise God for that. I'm so thankful for that. And we we didn't come close to even spending our budget. And so we're starting the year in a very healthy place And many of you give to the building fund from time to time. And I want you to know that that is at a very healthy place too. And in the days and weeks ahead, the leadership team will be addressing that, looking for ministry opportunities and praying about that, as well as uh, you probably start seeing in front of your very own eyes, some uh, fruit from that giving. And I just want you to know how thankful I am. I talk to pastors all the time who talk about how they really struggle And God has just so richly blessed us. I want us to be thankful for that. We should be thankful for a lot of reasons when I think about coming out of this year. I think about our children's ministry and all of the children who get to hear the Word of God and who are growing up in the Word of God. Thanks to many of you who've already given this morning at 9 o'clock. You come here to this service because you serve at 9 or you serve on Sunday night. I'm so thankful for how many children have been baptized and who've come to know Jesus through our ministry and our preschool, as well as Grace Ministry. Our Grace Ministry is now led by Tiffany Genth. And Tiffany is, is uh, I'm just so thankful because in Grace Ministry, they were able to minister to families with special needs. That's, that's who they minister to. And, And they got the chance in December to do a thing where the families got to go out Christmas shopping while they watched all of the children, including those with special needs. And I'm thankful for that. In a month from now, we're going to have a night to shine, and they are ratcheting up for that. Uh, There's a whole team of folks that not only include our church, but also other churches that are coming around. And so in February, that gym in there is going to be transformed into a place where it looks like a prom would take place. And we're gonna have a night to try to bless every one of these people who rarely, rarely get that kind of a blessing. So we're gonna be a part of what God's doing there. I'm thankful for our students, I'm so thankful. First service, I get about the same amount of middle schoolers. I get a chance to look into some dynamic faces that are on fire for God. I'm thankful for the many students who've given their lives to the Lord this past year and who are coming to Jesus because of our student ministry. We sent more people on missions trips, more students on mission trips than in any time in the history of this church in one year. We're thankful for the many kids that, for example, Jordan kind of switched plans and instead of winter weekend, he did a fall retreat and over 70 kids came and the Lord is moving amongst them and he has young leaders and he's so thankful for these young dynamic leaders that are coming along and ministering to these kids and we're seeing that across the board. I'm thankful for these young adults who sat over here, these beautiful faces over here on this side and I'm thankful they just got it back uh, 38 of them just got back from a, really an international conference in uh, in uh, Atlanta, and they got to hear people like John Piper, Ravi Zacharias, Louis Giglio, folks like that, you know. And then uh, Elevation Worship and Crowder, that, I mean, just they had an amazing experience. I got to tell you this, though. It was what was better than that. Uh, at the conference, they always do a focus of trying to Focus a new generation on uh, what God's calling us to change and help heal a broken world, and so they do this thing this year called Share It, which is where they're trying to reach unpe- unreached people groups and trying to make our young leaders aware that there are unreached people and try to light a fire in them for missions. Our group alone, now you. I drove a 1977 Sunbird. I barely had money for gas when I was going to college. Just a bunch of 18 to 24-year-olds off at a conference, sacrificing in order to go to this conference. And they start taking up an offering. This group, just our group, our 38 people that came, they raised over $4,000 amongst themselves to help. Isn't that crazy? They are sacrificing in order so that the Bible can be translated by Wycliffe and other organizations into unreached people groups all over the world. I'm thankful for our adults and how God is moving. You have a lot of opportunities in front of you. If you're brand new here, you ought to sign up for Starting Point. We've got sign-ups out front. If you need a group, we have group link coming up. If you You want to go a little deeper, there's a perspectives class that's starting. Sherry and I are thankful because this past fall, we were able to do marriage that works where we had about 76 people. We had like 38 couples. I I lost count how many couples we had. I think it was like 38, 39 couples. And we were all squeezed into room 112, which is this door right here off stage. And we all squeezed in there and every Sunday night for like 10 weeks, we did that and it was amazing. I, I gotta paint this picture for you. Imagine this room empty. I would come in and turn the lights on at six and then when we'd have a chance to talk, well, when you're all squeezed in a room, you can't talk, can you? I mean, you really wanna talk about private stuff. you know? So we called this our playground. So this worship center was our playground. I turned the lights on and everybody would just be couples sprinkled all over the room. They'd be up there and everywhere and they have a chance to talk privately. And we saw God do amazing things through that. We see God doing amazing things in our worship where he's calling young leaders who are really helping us and reaching a next generation. We're a a multi-generational church and we're seeing God do amazing things. People like Stephanie Lordy who are stepping up to lead our pantry ministry and other possibilities in, needless to say, three new partners this year. Make sure that you pray for these new partners we have, Africans for Africa, and make sure you pray for them because we think that God is gonna call us into a new venture through them as well. So many things that we sometimes take for granted as a church of what God is doing among us. I'm thankful not only for your giving, but also for us to continue to seek God, to plug in, to grow, to grow more and more. I want you to remind you of this, it's very important. Sherry and I, we moved back here in the 90s. We were in West Virginia, we moved back in the 90s, and that was in like mid to late 90s. And I was, Sherry's parents lived in North Webster and we lived in Fort Wayne. And we would drive through, and all at once we started seeing this building show up here on this corner. And I remember us going down Lincoln Way. This was a shortcut. And we'd, we'd say, man, I wonder what that is. And then, lo and behold, you know, you could kind of tell with the cross, the big cross in the window. I was like, I think that's a church. And uh, lo and behold, it was a church that was being built here. Little did we know, we had no idea that God would call us one day to this place. And now he has People prayed for this to happen. People prayed for you. People prayed that one day students and and even adults who were maybe far from God would have a church home, would have a place. And so I'm thankful for that today. I'm also reminded today, as we kind of begin something new here today, when I was a junior in high school, from the time I was actually first grade on, my grandmother, and her name was Emma, it was grandma to me, she lived with us. And grandma lived with us, so there were seven of us in our house. And grandma was interesting. Her name was Emma Lovins McAllister. And uh, she, she was uh, interesting. She was widowed, and uh, she was married to who I'm named after, John. And uh, all those years living with us you know she was she was born in 1889 and so i was always very interested in all the things sitting and talking to her one year as she got older as it was somewhat predictable her health started giving way and i remember when i was in high school she was in the hospital a lot and one year when i was a junior i don't know how i had a car because i didn't have a car growing up but evidently my parents had let me have the car for the day Uh, since i had the car i asked my principal mr maynard i said can i go up and visit my grandma he said sure you can go up and visit your grandma so i i didn't skip school i asked for the principal's permission and i went up and i visited her she was so touched by me visiting her which was really nothing to me but she said i'm going to get something for you i'm going to buy you something i said thank you and you know went home she got to come home from the hospital she got better and everything and one day she called me in and she she said john you know i said i would get you something and i i wanted to give you this bible she now today you know uh it's so interesting i think i could give it to one of you you could read it it's size nine font i think i don't think i could i have to get my eyes in order to uh read this now But it's a treasure to me. It's an incredible gift to me. She wanted to give me something meaningful because it meant a lot to her that I went and visited her. This was what she thought would be most valuable. I hope in our intention of what we're going to do in this journey we're going to take together that you will grow to love the Bible more. And I I, we call this timeless it's a, it's a us trying to to take a journey together something we can all do together and i want to kind of because some of you might think well what are we going to do because there's a lot of ways you could approach this let me tell you what we're not going to do okay here's what we're not going to do it's not going to be a survey of the whole bible like we could probably do about 40 weeks and we could cover all the major happenings in the, like the Old Testament, but we're not going to do a survey per se. This is not going to be an academic pursuit. This is not an academic pursuit. This is a pursuit for us to find life in the Bible the li- and, and preach life change. And at the same time, it's our hope that you would love the Bible more. The other thing that we're not doing is this. We are not covering all the contents of every book. I'm started working on next week. We're going to go through every book of the Bible, so we're starting where next week? We're going to be in Genesis next week. I can't barely get past the first verse. I think our sermon next week is just going to be from 1-1 next week. It all starts with God. That's going to be the sermon, all right? There's no way. If you thought about Genesis, for example, if you just thought about it, you think about, well, the creation, and then you've got the fall, and you've got the flood, and then you've got the call of Abraham, Abram, and then he becomes Abraham, and then you think about Joseph as a huge part, and you're like, Johnny, why didn't you cover the most, you know, those are big parts. We're not going to cover all the contents. We want to touch every single book, and it's gonna be certain. Here's what we are going to do. First thing is we're doing is we're taking a big risk. I mean, this is going to take, a while, a lot of weeks. And we're taking a risk that we're following God's leading. These guys on the staff are sick of probably talking to me about this. I mean, we we have talked about this and prayed over this and just, you know, we feel God's leading towards this. But it's a big risk because we realize that we know that we don't want you— want it to be irrelevant in your life we want it to be very relevant in your life here's the second thing we're trusting God and spirits leading. the spirits leading we're we're going to take breaks in fact the staff has talked to me about this and said hey Johnny you know something God laid something on your heart you just skip it man stop where you are we're going to push the pause button and you're going to preach something that God's put on your heart and so whenever we get to Easter Palm Sunday we're going to pause that which some of you are starting to do the math and go, well, this is gonna take longer than even that, isn't it? Yes, it is, it's going to. But we're going to follow the Spirit's leading. So even within the text of like Proverbs or the book of Exodus, we're going to try to follow the Spirit's leading as it relates to our sermons as well. One sermon, every book. That's what it's gonna be. We're gonna preach one sermon from every book. And what our hope is is that you would love the word of God that you would know and that you would grow in your confidence and your hunger and your desire to know God's word. So you can journey together with us. You could, if you'd like to, you could read the book of Genesis the week that I preach from Genesis. You could do that. That's something you could do on this pace. Now, needless to say, you know, reading Malachi is going to be a lot shorter than Genesis. I understand that. First John's going to be a breeze. Philemon, wow. But, um, I just wanna encourage you, you could do that, and then there's gonna be a podcast each week that's a little bit more about the book that we are in. All right, I wanna encourage you to look at something and I put it in your notes, okay? I'm not gonna read it, but I want you, I I put it in there, I read it for service, but I'm I'm gonna kind of, uh, I want you to see. If you get a Bible out, If you get a Bible out from your uh, the pew the not pew it's a the row in front of you sorry your seat in front of you, you'll see these Bibles that we've put out everywhere. We put them in all everything. You'll see that the handout. I mean, there's there's on the front page there is a copy of something that was. I thought D. L. Moody wrote this, but I don't think so. I've done a lot of research. I can't find the author. It's kind of an author unknown kind of thing, but this is a great description of what the Bible is. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. You, you'll see that. I put that in your notes so that you could cut that out. I did it in mine. I, I, I do it in all my Bibles. I, I cut that out and I put it in the front cover. It reminds me of what the Bible is. And I want you to know your bible. So if you have your bible and I want you to bring your bible when we do this. Today I just want to kind of do a flyover. Can I do just a flyover of the bible real quick so that we can kind of get revved up for what we're about to do? Get your bible out, get a bible out and and turn to the pay, table of contents. All right? Now, how many books are in the bible? There are 66 books. That's right. How many books are in the Old Testament? There are that's right, there are 39. And you know that because how many letters are in the word old? Three. How many, word, how many letters are in the word testament? Nine. So you can always remember how many books are in the Old Testament by how many letters are in each word? 39. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. Now, my West Virginia math taught me The three times nine is 27. That's how many books are in the New Testament. There are 27 books in the New Testament. And I want you, as you look, I want you to see that the Bible in these two, these two parts of the Bible, old and new, the word Testament means covenant, covenant. And that's very important because even all the way back to Genesis, listen, this is important, because it describes and it defi- listen, it defines the relationship between God Almighty and His people. Covenants have have been how God has established Himself with His people. And so when you see Old Testament, it's an old covenant, the Old Covenant, and then when you hear Jesus establish the new covenant. That's what you're seeing in these two parts. All right. So you have the old and the new, and these covenants will build towards Jesus. The whole Bible, both of these things, the whole thing taken together with these two parts, there is a theology. In other words, we find out about who God is and what the Bible is about through looking at it. And the Bible is about two things. Biblical theology is that God will have a people, it's one, and he will reign in their midst. That is biblical theology. That's how it all started, all the way back when God created the world. And then even after the fall in Genesis 3.15, we see the first really prophetic shadows of Jesus being promised. All the way through to Noah being destroyed, the promise, the covenant that He will not destroy the earth again, and He will have a people. And then He calls Abraham, and then Abraham becomes the nation of Israel. And they they, they're in slavery. They brought out. They get the law. They get their identity. They get their His presence in their life, and you see that God will have a people, and He will reign in their midst. But they didn't obey, and they were put in exile. And out of exile, even all the way back to David's covenant, the covenant, this, there's a messianic promise out of David that there's a coming Messiah. And you see it in Isaiah 2, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53. You see it in Ezekiel, Daniel. You see all of these prophetic promises of Jesus. And Jesus comes. And what did Jesus come to do? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. He, Jesus is establishing a people and he will reign in their midst. And I've read to the end in Revelation, after he comes back and establishes forever, etern- all eternity, what's gonna happen? God will have a people and he will reign in their midst. That's what the whole story is about. Now look at your table of contents. Look at your table of contents and here's literally, I thought I made a picture of this but I guess we, I don't know. Oh, we do. Good. We have a picture right here. This is my table of contents in my Bible. And I would encourage you to mark it up the same way. Now, I, you think of the Old Testament as 512, 5-5-12. 5-12, 5-5-12. Say that with me. 5-12, five, 5-5-12. Five, five, and you're thinking of it as, look, 5, the Torah, the Pentateuch. That's the first five. Then that. So I wrote, you'll see right there, you can see after uh, the book of Deuteronomy, I drew a line, and I put Torah right there, or Pentateuch you could put there. Do that in your Bible. You can do that. You, You can write in your Bible, by the way. If you have your Bible, write in. And then from all the way from Joshua all the way down to Esther, then write the word history. That's the history part of the Old Testament. Then I put poetry from Job all the way up to the Song of Songs. By the way, I did this with my phone, so don't knock on the picture too much, all right? Then I, then there's a second, so that's 5, 12, 5, five. The second five is, I, I call it, we call it major prophets, but that's not about importance. It's just about size, all right? Then there's the five major. See, I put major, the word major, and then right there, uh, you, you can see uh, the, the last 12 books, I put minor right there. Then in the New Testament, I don't have any 512 things for you. It's just the first four, are, and I drew a line after the first four and put, that's the Gospels. And then there's one, just the book of Acts, is about building the church. Then the next that follow that all the way uh, through from Acts all the way down to Philemon those are the Pauline letters after you get out of the book of Acts after you get the the book of Acts then you go all the way through from Romans all the way to Philemon I put you could just write Paul's letters okay then the others are general letters those are from other authors and then the very last one just beside Revelation I put future events so it that's how you break it down now if you want to it's very interesting in your bible uh there's there's several chapters that are interesting all the chapters and verses and everything it's very interesting psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the bible psalm 118 is the very middle of the bible psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the bible so turn to one, Psalm 119. I want to read from verse 5. This is something you all learned in Vacation Bible School maybe years ago. Maybe you didn't. It's a good word. And the whole, all of Psalm 119 points people towards the love of God's law. How we should love God's law. And in verse 105, we read, Your word is a lamp for my feet. A light on my path. I have taken an oath and I've confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says all scripture is god-breathed and is useful for what? It's useful for teaching us, it's useful for rebuking us, knowing when we've done wrong. It's useful for correcting us when we do things wrong as men, as husbands, as fathers. It also is good for us in training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to encourage you today. The word of God is a good, it is what God uses for us to grow. Faith, if your faith is weak, remember this verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I would encourage you, if you want to increase your faith, if you're in a drought, if you're at have in a wilderness experience, I wanna encourage you, let that instead of driving you away from God, drive you towards the word of God so that you would be encouraged. And there are a few things I wanted just to remind you of about this book that we're going to go on a journey and we're going to seek for God to change us. The first, the first thing is, is that the Bible is an inerrant book. That's a big, fancy word, but it's important you know about it. Inerrant. It means without error. The Bible is a book that does not have errors. The original manuscripts, which we, there's uh, there's a thing called a translation, and then there's a transliteration. But the original manuscripts from which we translate, uh, it's amazing how, our English translations, it is a perfectly pure book. If God inspired it and nothing God states can be false. It's without error. The second thing is, is that the Bible is a cohesive book. It lines up at every portion. It never contradicts itself. It's so important. Now, there's certain times on the surface, it's like, oh, which is it? Like, for example, there are places in the Bible it says, a fool when he keeps his mouth shut is esteemed wise. And then the New Testament, it says, be bold, be ready to speak all the time. And so there is discernment, but it is a cohesive book. It's the, it unravels, unravels in this story of Christ all the way from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is an inspired book. You need to look at your Bible as inspired, say, like, man, Like, God gave this to me. Like, this was his idea, that I would get to know him because this was his thing. Like, I can know him if I can get into this. And so it's important that you see it as inspired. Though it was written by 40 different authors, it's also divine under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So just like Jesus, with their dual nature, much in that way, the Bible is as well. The Bible is an authoritative book. More attention has been drawn to God's word than any other book in history. It shows uh, men what sin is. You might say, hey, what's sin? Well, whatever the Bible says is sin. It calls people to repentance, and it begs for the hearts of all people to come to the Lord. It is a living, active, sharp, it's piercing. The Bible is a prophetic book. God knows the future and he recognizes everything. And that's how we know so much about Jesus and the legitimacy of who Jesus was, was because of all the prophets. And this morning we can say, Lord, come, come Lord Jesus. And we know that because we know our Bible says that Jesus is coming again. And so that's the reason we look forward to that. The Bible is a revelatory book. Now that means, what that means is, uh, it means that God has revealed himself through scripture. In other words, if you want to know what's going on and what God thinks, read the book and he'll, listen, he'll reveal himself to you. And I, my past, one of my pastors, Don Fento, he used to say, I mark up my Bible and I highlight it. And what I do is when I go back to read it again, if I'm reading the book of Acts again, I look at all the places I didn't highlight because I'm looking for a new word. It's important that you understand that God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to reveal himself to you. The Bible is a structured book. Scripture follows a path. Uh, And God has been leading his people on a journey of this, creation, fall, redemption, and then ultimately we will be the bride of Christ and that will be consummation of what God has in store for all eternity. And the Bible chronicles all of that in an orderly way. The Bible is a practical book. I would encourage you. It provides real world solutions to our problems passionate encouragement when we are pleasing to the lord and impassioned fuel for worship and prayer sherry and i when we are dealing with our own issues or whether we are a younger couple comes to us or married couple comes to us i mean we could have a lot of opinions about what we think or what we think works or all that kind of stuff but i know that sherry constantly is reminding me of this that our hope there's practical advice in the bible there's practical hope in the Word. And I would encourage you, the Bible is practical on how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to be a young person whose ways are anchored in God. Look at young people in the Bible, we find good direction. The Bible is a beautiful book. Don't ever forget that. God's Word employs all these things, man, it, it has the, all of this literature. It has action, poetry, comedy, it has logic, it has biography, it has letters, parables, sermons, and songs, all in here. It's a beautiful book. There's so many parts of it that are so beautiful. The Bible, lastly, is a challenging book. It's capable of softening even hardened hearts. It encourages us towards love, and good deeds. God will use the Word of God to encourage you to change. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible will help you and challenge you to change. And I will tell you one thing, you can try a lot of different self-help books and all these kinds of things, but I would encourage you, there's a better way, the Word of God challenges us. And so today we did a flyover. I've learned to say never, but we're not going to do, this is not an academic pursuit. This is a pursuit of us discovering God's story and what he is trying to teach us right now. So I pray that as we journey through this together, that you would be available for God. So I would encourage you. You need to come. I would encourage you to commit to coming and being a part of what God is trying to wake us up to. And then I would encourage you to grow. Stretch yourself. Stretch yourself by committing and maybe reading in ways that you've never done And in this way, I I want us to be encouraged that as we do it together, we will be encouraging one another as well. I'm also reminded that there are many people that are not here that really do belong here. They need a place to belong. And I would encourage you to invite your friends because we're not going to do an academic pursuit. We're going to call and see what God is calling us to over these weeks. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you, Lord, for how you've been so faithful. And now, Lord, how today you're calling us to be a people of your word. Lord, help us not only to read it, help us, Lord, to be transformed and redeemed from the inside out. Lord, teach us your ways. Help us to be grounded in you. Help us, Lord to hope in you more. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Help us, Lord, no matter what's going on in our lives, the discouragement, the battles, the hard times, the difficulties, whatever they are, Lord, today, I pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit and according to your word, help us, Lord, to trust in you more. For your glory, help us to be a people that glorify you more. And help us to be a part of your story. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.